0: you have your Bible, find your way to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 5 is where our text will be this morning. We are continuing in our series, All In. We've been taking a few weeks and looking at, uh, biblically, what it means to be fully devoted to Christ, a life that's all in for Him, and uh, what does that look like. And so we're looking at those things as we we go through this series. While you're turning to Hebrews 5, just a a word of encouragement to tell you how crazy you people are. Uh, A good kind of crazy. We challenged you just a few weeks ago uh, with a Raise the Roof campaign, that's easy for you to say, and also knowing that we're trying to get out of debt as well. We challenged you with the first phase of $125,000, which would go even through this Sunday, but I bring good news to you that as of last Sunday, we had $137,000 675. So can we praise God for that? (laughs) Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. And we give God the glory for that, so we have met that goal and have even some extra there to put towards the dead, and and just thank you for your generosity and trust that you will continue to be faithful in that area. So this morning, we're looking at All In here in Hebrews chapter 5, and uh, if you're able to stand now that you've gotten so comfortable, stand right back up for the reading of God's Word, recognizing that um, God's Word comes to us with authority, doesn't it? It's not about my authority this morning. This is about the authority of the Word. Let's look at Hebrews 5, uh, beginning with verse 11, and read into a few verses in chapter 6. The writer of Hebrews writes by the Holy Spirit About this, we have much to say, but it's hard to explain because you've become dull of hearing. Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk. Not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child. But solid foods for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith towards God, of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do, if God permits. Would you pray with me? God, come and speak to us. Tell us by your Spirit and by your truth what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. And I pray that this morning, as a result of our being together, we would be all the more conformed into the image of Christ. And it's in His name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Bill Bowerman was the um, track and field coach for the University of Oregon uh, in the 50s, 60s, and even into the 70s. And... um, He was uh, the kind of coach that would always kind of get in people's face. And in fact, if you've not heard of his name, uh, I guarantee you've heard of a company that he co-founded. It's a small little athletic sports company called Nike. How many of you have ever heard of Nike? Anybody wearing Nike this morning? Bill Bowerman helped found that, and there was a Sports Illustrated article a few years ago that talked about the kind of coach that he was, again, the idea of getting in people's faces. In fact, uh, the article was written by one of his former runners uh, who had him as a coach when he was at the University of Oregon. and I found the article uh, very interesting because he described Bowerman as the type of guy that would tell you what you didn't want to hear. Because he was not about for a moment to let any of his runners settle for mediocrity. In the account that this runner gave, kind of his personal testimony under Bowerman, this is what he said. He said, when I was 20 years old, I'd never won a race in high school. I'd never broken the 9.15 mark for a two-mile run. And then one wet day in May, Coach Bowerman looked at me and said, are you just in this to do mindless labor? And then he reached up and put his hand around my neck and explained that I would follow his instructions or I'd be off the team. I submitted. And over the next few weeks, I gave myself fully to his instruction, and then a few weeks later, in a race against Oregon State, I ran an 8.48, 27 seconds better than I had ever run before. After the race, coach came up to me and he said, Kenny, even I didn't think you could run that fast. (laughs) But you know what? We realize that sometimes a coach or even a teacher or sometimes a parent, yes, even a pastor has to do the things and say the things that we don't necessarily want in order for us to progress. If we're going to get better, if we're going to be who we're supposed to be, sometimes we have to be told the hard things. And in many ways, that's what this series of All In has been about. It's to challenge you to get in your face for your good. Because when we come to church, when we gather together, we don't just need to be told the things we want to hear. We need to be told the things we don't want to hear so that we will progress. We need someone to look us in the face and say, are you just in this to do mindless labor? And that is exactly, folks, what the writer of Hebrews is doing to this group of Christians. He is rebuking them. He's getting in their face. He's challenging them in their lives. If you go back to chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to that which we've heard, lest we drift away. Chapter 4, verse 11. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Chapter 6, verse 1, which we read a moment ago. Therefore, let us go on to maturity. Chapter 12, verse 1. It's all over the book. Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Are you just going to sit there and do mindless labor? Are you just in this to sit on the sidelines? You see, this book, the the letter to Hebrews, was written between 64 to 66 A.D., to a group of Jewish Christians that were living outside of Jerusalem. During that short window of time the Old Testament sacrificial system had been reinstituted in Jerusalem and these Jewish Christians are tempted to forsake Christianity and go back to Jerusalem. Why? Because in those days Judaism was a lot more accepted by the culture. And they were facing persecution as Christians and so it was a lot easier to take the easy road And to just settle. And the writer of Hebrews says, it ain't going to happen on my watch. Let's go. Don't drift. Run. I know you don't want to hear it. I know this isn't something that makes you feel good. But for your good, I'm calling you to be all in in growth and maturity. Notice his concern here for spiritual laziness. You ready to have fun this morning? Oh, this isn't going to be an amen morning, this is an oh me morning, like, oh man, that hurts. He addresses, in chapter 5, verse 11, spiritual laziness. Look at at verse 11. About this, we'll talk about this in a moment. We have much to say, but it's hard to explain why. Because you've become dull of hearing. In, In other words, the first issue the writer has to address is the lack of knowledge. And not just the lack of knowledge that they have, the lack of desire for more knowledge. Uh, The this in verse 11, about this, we have much to say. It just goes right back to what he was saying, which was about Melchizedek. And you say, Melchizedek who? What? Uh, Melchizedek, what's that? And he says, there's so many things I want to tell you about Melchizedek and how he points to Jesus, which just informs you of so many great things about Jesus, but I can't tell you that because you don't want to know. You're dull of hearing. You see, dear friends, one of the characteristics of a life that's all in, a Christian that's all in, is an intensity to want to learn more. Right here, right here. When you've tasted that the Lord is good, you want more. And more. And more. And more. And more. These Christians had become dull in their desire to want to learn, and so now he's saying, man, there's so much I want to tell you, but I can't because you don't want to hear it. But what we ought to be is like that baby, you know, remember that little infant that's just crying, crying, crying for food, like, let's go now. I don't care that it's 3 a.m. in the morning, I want it now. Now. Like the deer that you see in the book of Psalms that's panting. You know, we kind of put that on a coffee cup. As the deer pants for water. No, we're talking about like a, a deer where you can see his bones. Tongue hanging out. I want water. I want water. Like a, like a hungry man in the alley searching for something to eat because he's starving. That's the kind of passion an all-in Christian has. I want to know Jesus more but this group of christians is settling they're they're content with the basics look at verse one of chapter six therefore let us leave uh the elementary doctrine of christ and then he lists some of the things not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards god instruction about washings laying on of hands resurrection of the dead eternal judgment some of you read that and you're like that's basic And if that's basic, I'm in trouble, right? But the writer of Hebrews is saying, Man, you know, you understand the stuff about salvation, faith, and repentance, and you understand the basic things about the Old Testament system, like the washings and the laying on of hands, and you understand that one day you're going to stand before God and there's going to be a judgment. You get those basic things, but there's so much more I could give you, and yet you don't even want to hear it. C.S. Lewis says, We are like children who want to go on making mud pies in a slum because we cannot imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. You do realize there's more you could have. But in your dullness, I can't give it to you. And I thought I'd try to image this kind of practically for us because I think as as Christians, as followers of Jesus, sometimes we... We have a way of thinking about maturity that's imbalanced. And so I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. His name's Mr. Practical. And so I'm going to ask Mr. Practical to come out. He's going to have a seat here. Uh, y'all give a big hand for Mr. Practical coming out here. This is a cool guy right here. Now, listen, Mr. Practical is all about just serving Jesus. I mean, every morning, you know, he reads his little devotion. He sips his little latte. You know, he's all about, he'll spend a little time in the Word, uh, loves his wife, uh, serves at church. He's always coming to church. Sometimes he even raises his hand in the worship, you know. I mean, he's all about, in fact, if you ask him, what is Christianity about? He'd say, man, just love God and love people. It's just a simple, simple thing. Just Man, just live for Jesus. But if you ask him about actually studying the Bible and getting into the meat of the Word, he'd say, who's got the time? And after all, I'm not that much of a reader. I I don't really like all that theology stuff. You see, here is what Hebrews 5 is saying about him. He could have steak. Doesn't that look good? Some, I know some of you are like vegan, vegetarian. I love you. You're a brother, sister in the Lord, but don't come to my house and eat, all right? <laughs> he could have steak. There are so many more things I'd love to tell you about Jesus, but you're willing to settle for the bottle, which it would look really awkward to see a grown man drink. No, we won't do that. He could have steak, but he's willing to settle for milk. That's a problem. I'm content with what I know. I just want to serve. I just want to live for Jesus. I'm not concerned about all that knowledge stuff. You're dull. There's a lot more things of God and about Jesus that you could know, but you don't want to hear it, and therefore I can't tell it to you. That's not the only part of immaturity that we see here or spiritual laziness. Look at verse 13. Notice what the author says. He says, for everyone who, loves, who lives on milk is unskilled. Underline that, is unskilled in the word of righteousness. That is, they don't know how to use it. Or if you look in verse 14, it talks about the constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So there's one side of things that's dull of hearing, I I won't receive all that I could be receiving. On the other side of things is you you have some knowledge, but you don't do anything with it. You keep struggling with the same thing over and over and over again. You have to be told over and over the same stuff all the time. Uh, What do you call somebody that you have to tell over and over and over again to do something? And don't say your husband, all right? A child... Parents, you with me? Like sometimes I think there's a string on my back. You know, you just pull it and it's telling the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Sometimes my wife and I look at each other and say, are you seriously? They have the knowledge, but in their immaturity they don't do anything with it. So let me introduce you to another friend of mine, Mr. Doctrine. Big hand for Mr. Doctrine coming on the stage. Mr. Doctrine loves theology. Man, does he love theology. Like he does his devotions out of a systematic theology book. He has the leather-bound study Bible. You know, like the big naked baby angel one, you know, put on the coffee table. That's Mr. Doctrine. He's all about that. I mean, he even named his dog Luther. That's how bad it is. His first son, Jonathan Edwards, or something like that. He uses words like sanctification, and hermeneutical, and and propitiation. And he even knows what they mean. When it comes to knowledge, major leaguer right here. He could tell you every Greek word for love, but he doesn't know how to apply any of them. He would debate you red-faced on the timing of Jesus' return but he doesn't live like he actually thinks Jesus is going to. He's got a whole bunch of tools. The toolbox is impressive, but he doesn't even know how to swing a hammer. Now, Mr. Practical over here, he's an adult on a tricycle. Okay, That's what he looks like right there. He's making some progress, but he's a pushover. He's Ephesians 4 when Paul says, don't be children that are tossed to and fro by the waves. Right here, Brian, some of you who are hearing my voice right now, you are one best-selling book. One motivational speaker. One time of difficulty in your life. One temptation from the world of being nowhere to be found. Because a little tiny bit of knowledge in a world of deceivers is very dangerous. Now Mr. Doctrine over here, he's the kid behind the wheel of a car. This is what he looks like right here. I mean, he will impress you with his speed, but nobody wants to ride with him. and the point of the text is that maturity is both some of you need to not be so concerned about practice in terms of that being your only focus and learn some things about the bible you're dull there's things that, that, that the word of god wants to teach you but you're just la 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 Others of you, man, you highlight your Bible like crazy. But your wife needs to be loved. And people need to be told about Jesus. And there's things to serve in the church. It's knowledge, dull of hearing, that leads to practice. Skilled in the Word of righteousness. Would you all give my lovely assistants a big hand? Good job, guys. Thank you so much. All right, so right here, right here. Where are you? And I know these are generic. I know these are kind of stereotypical. But I bet you some of you are saying that's me. i got a lot of knowledge, but I don't do anything with it. Man, I, I want to serve Jesus, but I need to grow in my knowledge of Jesus. That's what all in for spiritual maturity looks like because if you're either one of these, you have not spiritually plateaued, you're regressing. So the author's very concerned here with spiritual laziness. Here's the second thing. Notice not only is he concerned about their spiritual laziness, then he challenges them to spiritual maturity. Verse 1 of chapter 6. Therefore, let us, there's a lot of let us in this book, not the salad kind, a lot of let us all over Hebrews, let us leave elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. So he challenges them to move on, to grow in their walk with God. John Stott was asked one time, what is the greatest need in the church today? And he said, the church needs greater numbers of deep. Christians, not intellectually, but in maturity. Richard Foster wrote in his book uh, uh, about spiritual discipline, said, Superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but deep people. That's the, the Psalm 1. The tree planted by streams of water. That, that sense of, of we're, man, we're running after Jesus. We're not content. We want more. We want to leave what we know behind so that we can grow in even more maturity. But the problem is, folks, and I'll get in trouble over this, but that's alright. That happens every week. We live in a culture that celebrates immaturity. Our culture loves immaturity. We have, for instance, people who work just so they can play, but they don't see what the Bible says about the spirituality of vocation. Uh, You have have 28-year-old men pursuing master's degree in Madden football. That hurt, didn't it? Yeah, I'm in trouble now. And, and without any pursuit of manhood and what it means to be a man. And I'm just going to tell you, if that's you or if that's your son, when my daughters get older, he better not come around my daughters. Punk, right? <laughs> I don't even like him and I don't even know him yet, right? But we celebrate immaturity, and there comes a point when we've got, to st- we've got to say, I'm done with it. Like, I'm tired of the slide. I'm tired of the regression. Replace my cold, apathetic heart with a fire, with a passion for Jesus. I want to run this race, I want to go. And you don't do that passively. And you say, man, you're kind of getting fired up. I can't help but get fired up. This text is fired up. I mean, can you imagine the passion of this writer? Let us, let us go. Come on. That's not passive language. Get off your tail, man. Do you realize? Do you realize what you're doing? You're settling for symbols when you could have the real thing. And you want to go back to the temple? You have the temple. Jesus. So run after him. I'm intense about this this morning because the Bible's intense about this. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 3. It's a pretty famous text. Philippians 3 verse 12. Notice what it says. Not that I. Time out. Who's the I? It's Paul. Paul, the person who saw Jesus. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, what if you were driving home today and Jesus, like the road to Damascus, appeared to you physically? Would that be cool? Yeah. Like two of you were like, "Yeah, I hope that happens." <laughs> others of you like, "No, I'm scared." No. <laughs> I mean, awesome. Like, how cool would it be to see Jesus? Not only that, Paul planted who knows how many of churches. And just think of all the things he saw Jesus do throughout his ministry, and now he's an old man, sitting in a prison in Rome, writing a letter to the church at Philippi, not that I, that I, have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me His own. I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining, do you, do you hear that aggression? Straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Run, baby. Because when you taste and see that the Lord is good, you want more. And there ain't nothing keeping you away from that food. There ain't nothing keeping you away from that finish line. Paul in 1 Corinthians 9 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? but only one receives the prize. So what's the implication, Brian? Run. That you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. In other words, you got people out there who are crazy about things that don't even matter. Man, they are passionate about things that will be gone Tomorrow how much more would we be passionate about that which is eternal? you kidding me? So do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself would be disqualified. All right, so quick test. Quick test moment to be practical here. This is not to make you feel guilty at all, but this is to challenge you and me. How much time did you spend this past week in the Word? Now here's the good news. Um, If the answer to that is depressing, today you start a new week. So run. Two. How long has it been since you've memorized a verse in the Bible? I meditate on God's Word day and night. If your answer is Vacation Bible School, by the look of most of you in this room, you got a problem. When's the last time you've shared with somebody what you've been learning about the Word or about Jesus? How many of you have been like, man, we, at church we've been talking about all in. And your coworker's are like, get out of here, crazy. What are you talking about? When's the last time you've shared with a family member or a coworker something that God's been teaching you? When's the last time you've experienced victory over a, a, an area of sin in your life? When's the last time that you intentionally made room in your schedule for spiritual growth? Like, I'm not going to watch the TV until I've been in the Word. I'm not going to eat breakfast until I've been in the Word. I'm not going to talk to anybody. There might be a lot of unsocial, skinny people who have no idea what's going on. If that were the case. But this is such a priority. I'm going to make sure that I carve out time to run. How many of you make worship a priority? You say after this morning's message not me, you know. How many of you like can't wait to Sunday morning? Man, we get in this room and I having spent time in the word get in your face to say, you in this for mindless labor. I didn't come here to pastor you to that end. Run. And we'll fall and together we'll pick each other up and we'll run. And you'll fall, and we'll pick you up, and we'll run. Because the stakes are high, and this thing called Christianity matters. I'm concerned that you're lazy, Hebrews. And so I'm going to tell you what you don't want to hear. Wake up and run. Because the stakes are high, and I'll end with this verse 4 through 6. I intentionally waited till I didn't have a lot of time left so I wouldn't have to talk much about these verses. If you know much about Hebrews 6, you know verses 4 through 6 are the most controversial in almost all the Bible. I was teasing about not wanting to deal with them. I'm happy to deal with them at another time in more depth because I do think the interpretation of this matters. But I'm not going to take the time to give you all the interpretations. I'm going to get right to the bullseye point. Here's what he says. Here's why you better get to running. Because it's impossible in the case of those who have been enlightened, tasted of the heavenly gift, shared of the Holy Spirit, tasted the goodness of the Word of God, and the powers of the age to come, had they fallen away, to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucified once again, the Son of God, to their own harm and holding Him up to contempt. Here's the short and sweet. Uh, you can debate me about this later. I am absolutely one hundred percent convinced. This text, interpreted rightly, is not talking about a Christian that loses their salvation. In fact, I don't think that's taught any in the Bible at all but that's for another sermon the point of this passage and the point that we see in many other passages is this look right here growth is often the sign of birth meaning if you don't ever grow if you don't ever develop the problem may not be you're immature the problem may be you're still dead The mark of authentic Christianity is producing fruit. That's why right after these verses, which is really key to getting the text right, he gives this illustration of the rain that falls on the ground. And some produces fruit or vegetation. Others produce thorns and thistles. Paul writes to Timothy and says this, bodily training is of some value, but godliness is of value of every way. Why is godliness or growth, spiritual development, so key? It holds the promise for the present life and also for the life to come. That's huge. Meaning this, I love you Hebrews, but if you walk away you may be demonstrating this thing was never real. If after having tasted Jesus, you don't want more, you have to ask yourself, did you really taste Jesus? And if that's the case, the consequences are of the utmost serious. It's like this week, and I know that's hard to hear, That's hard, and he does, by the way, go on to saying it, but I'm confident in you, you can read verse 9 later, I believe this about you, I believe that you're in, I believe that you're going to grow, so I'm not like Mr. Grumpy, but I am willing to tell you what you don't want to hear. This week I walked upstairs and my three-year-old daughter is sitting on top of the gas stove in the kitchen. The burner was not on, but she was sitting on top of the gas stove with her hands inside the macaroni and cheese. (laughs) And it was covered all over her face. You laugh, I didn't. (laughs) Nor did she for the next few moments after that. Let's just say we had a teaching moment. We'll call it a discipline moment, and I'll leave the, the rest for your imagination. But she got what she didn't want. Discipline. And why did she get that? Because I don't want her on the stove. And do you know why I don't want her on the stove? Because I love it when she comes and crawls up in my lap and we watch Barbie. I don't want her on the stove because there's a good possibility this afternoon she's going to run downstairs in some princess outfit and twirl. I'm willing to do to her what she doesn't want done because I love her that much. And I know this may hurt and I know this may not be what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear for your own good because the consequences of spiritual laziness are high. I'm going to leave you with this image this morning uh, from the movie Facing the Giants. Great movie. There, there's a point um, where the team is not functioning the way it should because one of the individuals has a really bad attitude. He's, very, he's approaching the whole thing with mediocrity. He's not all in. And the coach challenges him in front of the team. And he asks him to do an exercise of which the, the young man doesn't think he'll be able to do that much. But he's shocked um, at the outcome. I want you to take a look.
1: I get a good tight hold, Jeremy. All right. Let's go, Brock. Keep your knees off the ground. Just your hands and feet. There you go. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go. Show me good effort. That we Brock. You keep coming.
2: There
1: you go. It's a good start. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go, Brock. Good strength. That's it, Brock. That's it. the 20 yet? Forget the 20. You give me your best. You keep going. That's it. No. Don't stop, Brock. You got more than that. I ain't done. just resting a second. You got to keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's go. Don't quit till you got nothing left. There you go. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving, Brock. That's it, you keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Your very best. Your very best. Your very best. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. Don't quit on me. Keep going. Keep driving it. Keep, dri- keep your knees off the ground. That's it. Your very best. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. That's it, you keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Don't quit till you got nothing left. Keep moving, Brock. That's it, that's it, that's it. Keep going. I want everything you got. Come on, keep going. It hurts. Don't quit on me. Your very best, keep driving.
2: Keep driving.
1: There you go, there you go. He's heavy. I know I'm, he's heavy. I'm buying strength. Then you negotiate with your body to find more strength, but don't you give up on me, Brock. You keep going, you hear me? You keep going, you're doing good, you keep going.
2: You not quit on me, you keep going. It hurts. I know it hurts, you keep going. You keep going. It's all hard from here. 30 more steps. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Keep going. Burn And let it burn. My arms are burning. It's all hard. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Come on. Keep going. You promised me be your best. Your best. Don't stop. Keep going. Too hard. It's not too hard. You keep going. Come on, Brock. Give me more. Give me more. Keep going. 20 more steps. 20 more. Keep going, Brock. Give me your best. Don't quit!!! No! Keep going!! Keep going!! Keep going!! Don't quit!! Don't quit!! Don't quit!! Brock Kelly you don't quit!! Keep going!!! Keep going!! Go Brock Kelly! You don't quit on me!! NO YOU KEEP GOING!! YOU KEEP GOING!! Go Brock!! Ten more steps!! Ten more! Ten more!! Ten more!! Ten more. Keep going! Don't quit!! Give me your... You can You can't! Five more! Five more! Come on, Brock! Come on! Don't quit! Don't quit! Come on, Brock! Two more! One more! Let's go to the 50! Let's go to the city! I don't have any more!
1: Look up, Brock. You're in the end zone.
0: Amen. He was content to just go halfway, but he pressed on to the end zone. Let me ask you, are you just in this to do mindless labor? Or are you all in? Let's pray. God, I trust that You have challenged us this morning with Your Word. I pray that we would receive the things that we don't naturally want to hear. But to be challenged to press on. And the benefit and reward is to know You more. And that's worth it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.